it wasn't lust. I thought it was lust, but it was actually anger. I think I was in a, in a significant amount of pain and, and needing to be outside of my body to feel something. And the only way that I could do that was through bad relationships. Welcome to the Secret Life Podcast. Tell me your secret. I'll tell you mine. When I first started my recovery 11 years ago, I struggled through the textbook-like material on the subject. I wanted to make the addiction and the recovery from it accessible and relatable to more people by telling it in an entertaining way. Well, I'm super excited to announce I've released my first book, Secret Life of a Hollywood Sex and Love Addict. If I can help just one person find a solution or at least realize they're not broken or alone, then writing this has been worth it. You can pick up the book exclusively at Amazon or signed copy at secretlifenovel.com. And the best way to support our podcast is to subscribe and share. If you haven't left a review or rating on Apple Podcasts yet, please do. It'll help more people find our show. And if you want to be a guest, shoot me a note at secretlifepodcast at icloud.com. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Secret Life Podcast. I'm Brianne Davis-Gant. Today, I am pulling back the curtains of all kinds of human secrets. You know, those deep, dark secrets we hold in the pit of our stomach that we promise we're going to go to our deathbed with, or those, you know, funny, silly, really embarrassing ones we wouldn't tell a soul. You know, the how, what, when, where, and why of it all. So today, my guest is Danielle. Now, Danielle, I have a question for you. What is your secret? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> my secret is that I am as well a sex and love addict. Oh. I am not in, a, I, you know, have started a 12-step program many times over, Um and switched from SLAA meetings over into uh, adult children of alcoholics because that actually, even my, even though my my parents were not alcoholics, that sort of resonated with me. So I, I switched over there for a little while, needing to do a little bit of work, and then just sort of stopped my antics through my own therapy. Um, I didn't continue with the program, but it's been many, many years since I have had the the ticks <laughs> and the and the thoughts. My brain is still wired to go to that place, but the drive and the desire is no longer really active inside my body, which is interesting and hasn't been for a while. Okay. So let's go back though. When was the first time, if you can think about it, you had the behaviors of a sex and love addict or those like recall what you did? I think for me, uh, there was one particular vivid memory that sticks out, which was sort of a bottom for me. And it was when I would, back when there was no dating apps, I thank God every day that I was not oh single my God. dating apps. Me it too, girl. A, it, it would have been an absolute nightmare. I a hundred percent cannot imagine swiping left and swiping right. No. I can't. I would have sat up all night long drinking whiskey, swiping, and and having strangers come over to my house. Yeah. Back then, it was just text messages. So what I think my bottom was, I was home by myself in my apartment, 
and I was drinking and I was never a heavy drinker. I'd never got like out of control wasted, but it just allowed me to be reckless. And I texted three different guys that I was talking to. And basically whoever was the first one to text me back was the one that came over. But it happened to be <laughs> all, like, all three of them. Meeny, miny, mo, And then they all came. Yes. <laughs> yeah, basically. So I did like lunch, breakfast-ish with one. And then I had... Uh, another I I don't even remember it was like you know not even a dinner it was like an after dinner kind of meetup and then one late late night when I thought it was done I didn't you know do anything with all of them but I remember when the third left I just didn't get whatever that feeling was that I was going for whatever I needed them to to fix in me that night Mm because I was obviously looking for something outside of myself it didn't happen and I had this flip camera and I set the flip camera up on my little kitchen counter and I was drinking and I just recorded myself crying. Really? And I started to make these like, yeah, I started to make these like home videos after I would have these like really horrible, self-degrading. Actually, you know what? I think it, I, I take it back. I think this, this particular night I ended up actually sleeping with a third guy mm-hmm. and he, I remember he and I, he, jumped up and freaked out about making sure that I was on the pill, even though we had used the condom because he didn't want to get me pregnant. And I was like, um, A, who said I wanted to get pregnant by you? Yeah, like, <laughs> like I, I'm not I wasn't trying, asking for that. No, I'm not trying to trap you. He was divorced with a kid. Like it was, I used to meet him on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Usually it was like the time <sighs> that I would meet him. We'd meet over at Maribel on Sunset or we'd go to the bar up in the valley. We'd alternate the valley and the city. And then we'd meet for a drink. We'd go back to his house, have sex. And then I would go home. And he never, I mean, other than the drinks he'd buy me at meeting at the bar, like we didn't have a relationship. And how long did that go on? Shit. Um, probably three or four months. Okay. Basically, and really, I only allowed it to happen that long because there was someone else that I was talking to or dating that I really liked that was just emotionally unavailable. Right. And, you know, he, that person said to me like, oh, I don't want to get serious, you know? So if you want to like, you know, go see anybody else. And I started seeing other people and then his friend saw me out with somebody and then freaked out. And it was just like, just a big game. One of the, the biggest things I've learned now that I'm not in that behavior anymore is that I was too cool for too long. Yeah. Like, I, I don't hate, have to be that cool. That's what I always tell my friends and people. I'm like, there is no such thing as that cool girl. Like, no. I just, I honestly don't believe that. And you can, you know, message Mm-mm. me if you disagree, but I just don't think anybody is that cool. No, it's just having low self-esteem, no respect for yourself and acting like you're fine with it to make them think that you're so cool, but they don't you know, want to leave and really just sit there hurting yourself. So I think it took me a really long time to go like, wow, I'm actually not okay with that. And I'm not cool with that. And you know what? I'm done. But I mean, it was like, I would say I was in that behavior and it was like, it was after I would break up, you know, with a long-term relationship, because when I was in my long-term relationship before then, I was not a cheater. I mean, I didn't mess around on my ex at all, not the last one anyway, when I was like way younger, I mean, being stupid, but, and I never, I never cheated, you know, I never had sex with anybody that I, if, if I, if it did happen, I never actually like, it was not a big deal. It was like talking to somebody. Um, but 
yeah, it was, uh, it, it was only like after breakup and then I would go crazy for, I don't know, six months, eight months, a year. And then I would get into a relationship and it would all be fine again. And then something would happen and I wouldn't get what I needed from them. And then it would happen again. I mean, I remember I was so excited for a guy to take me on a trip to New York. I don't okay. know if you remember the story. No. And five, this person I was, I wanted to be with for like 20 years. And finally started dating him after I broke it up with my ex. Oh, I do. I okay, yeah. <laughs> and he never took a. He never really had girlfriends. Never took anybody anywhere. And then he finally said, like, okay, I think I want to take you to New York to like family reunion. Mm-hmm. I could not believe it, but he was so nervous about me going because he's like a child. He's got like Peter Pan syndrome. That that he went before me for like two days to hang out with his friends. And then I flew to meet him and he flew me there, but I flew coach and he flew first class. And then when we came home together, I flew coach in the back of the bus and he flew first class and he would send me back. He sent me back wine and cookies and basically said it was so expensive to buy the ticket that late in the game. And it was going to be like a hundred thousand points on his Amex to get me into first class. And he had to have first class because he had a bad back. So he hopes that I was okay. And I was so grateful that he even wanted me to go. I would have like, I mean, yeah, it would have been fine. And it was, and I never saw anything wrong with that until I got older and was like, wait, that is so, that is so effed up. Yeah. I can't believe that I was okay with that. With like him sending me cookies back to the back of the bus while he sat up and stretched out. Free cookies that. too. He didn't Free even cookies. pay for those cookies. No. <laughs> If he had to pay for them, he probably wouldn't have sent them back. Probably not. <laughs> but like, why was I, why was I pinning for that guy? Like, why was that okay with me? And I remember being in therapy saying, mind you, I've been in talk therapy, the same therapist now for 13 years. It's not insane. Twice a week for 13 years. And I remember saying something to her, like, I just want to knit him a sweater. Like I was that into it. It was like, and she said, what are you fucking Joni Mitchell? You want to knit him a sweater? <laughs> And I was like, I don't know why. I don't know. Like I just, I, and, and I remember my therapist saying that every time I would talk about men in these situations, my voice would change. I would go higher and she'd be like, mm-hmm. you're out of your body again. You're out of your body. You're telling me the story and your voice is really high. And it was just so shocking to me because I didn't even realize it for so many years. I just thought like, woohoo, I have got good luck with the guys, you know? No, it wasn't, it wasn't luck. I was just, I think an easy target. Well, here's the thing. It's like, also when you were talking about that story, it's, you know, when you like somebody and they're unavailable, it's this thing that we believe we can make them available. Like we have the power to change these unavailable Peter Pan, not ready to commit kind of guys. And I try to tell people all the time, you cannot make anyone commit to you. It's impossible. Do you find that like you... I mean, I've known you for a long time and I think you had something similar where the guys become so obsessed with you because you are that cool in the moment. They don't know. And also you're really freaking smart. So it's, you're easy to manipulate them too. They just, you make them think that they're the ones that have, you know, the, the ball in their court. But at the end of the day, once you get your power back, you can flip it on them really quick, but they become so obsessed with the game that you're playing too at some point that it almost seems like, like you are changing them. Like you are the chosen one. You are the one they're going to end up being with. Then once they get to that point, you're like, eh, I don't really want to be with you. I was just kind of wanted to see where that was going. Well, for me, for my behavior, I didn't ever go for that 
unavailable guy. That wasn't my thing. Like I had to have the power from the get go. So I always chose the guy that I knew liked me more. Right. I remember there was someone years ago and you were talking about like how you didn't even know why you, you were even talking to him because he wasn't even like attractive. You're like, he, you're just like, I don't even understand. I think I said I wouldn't even be his friend. Like I don't even like him as a person. Like he's mean to waiters. If anyone's mean to a waiter, you need to like check yourself is what I think because that is just wrong. But I do have to say, and I do have to mention, and you're probably going to kill me or I'll I'll like give you Uh hints to mention because I find it so fascinating. When you would break up with a guy, you would do a particular thing that just cracks me up. Do you know what I'm talking about? It has to do with a clothing item of yours. Look, she's making a really funny face. Like she has no idea what I'm talking about. And I'm afraid if I mention it and then, and then you'll be like, I don't want to talk about it. It's like, oh, no, to- say it. no, but I remember like every time you break up with someone, you would get rid of all your underwear. Oh God. Oh God. You remember yeah. that? Like you just would throw away all your underwear and then you yeah. would go to Victoria's Secret and buy all and new reload. underwear. You were like, I don't want anything to remember this person. And I was like, yeah. first of all, that's a lot of money. Underwear is expensive, people. It's like- I still have so much underwear and it's, they, half of them have tags on them because, I mean, I've been married now for that, six so years. So you're not even wearing underwear. So you don't even care. I don't care. wear underwear. No, and if I do, they're like, you know, full back, like little tidy whities with like a tank top and I'm going to bed. So yeah. no, because that was also like not- that wasn't me. I mean, I'm, you know, uh, and I, I, it's like, I'm, I'm, it's hard because I'm two different people. You know, I'm like the, the tomboy, like I'm all about leggings and, and, you know, t-shirts and baseball hats. And then there's the other side that's like the fake eyelashes and, you know, the pole dancing classes and the hooker gear. And I love that stuff too. I'm just really like kind of in, in between the two of them, but yeah, I would get rid of my underwear. Yeah. That's crazy. Crazy. And most of my furniture too. When I would move, I would get rid of my furniture. Yeah, she would get rid of her. But the underwear thing always, I just didn't understand. And I'm like cheap. So you would go out and spend like 20 bucks on a pair of underwear and you would get a because whole drawer. Probably, I was probably buying what I thought the guys wanted the girl to be like, you know, like True. whatever he wanted me to wear. Like my husband is, would, it, it, he's both. He's like, oh my God, you have hooker eye makeup on. I love it. Leave it on. He wants me to sleep with it so I can wake up looking like a mess. Like he thinks ah. that's hot. I'm like, oh my God, it's so gross. He's like, You're don't like, wash your face. My eyelash is stuck to my face. I can't get it off. I can't see. <laughs> he loves it. He thinks it's like a night, a night earned, you know? And then there's the, 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 so I have all this laundry and all this stuff that maybe when I was first dating my husband, I would, you know, pull out and dance and do all that stuff, but that shit hasn't come out in so long. It, oh, we have really time hasn't. for that. We have kids. <laughs> no, yeah, no, I don't, unfortunately. <laughs> okay. So we're talking about this, you know, it was a past secret. You're very, you're open with it now. Yeah. So I always like to look at the seven deadly sins and like why we did the things we did and the behavior. So I'm going to name them for you. And then if okay. you can remember and connect them and why. So we have pride, greed, lust, gluttony, envy, anger, and sloth. Do any of those connect? Oh yeah. I think anger was really where it was coming from because I didn't, I wasn't 
yeah, I don't, I don't connect with any of the other ones. It wasn't lust. I thought it was lust, but it was actually anger. I think I was in a, in a significant amount of pain and, and needing to be outside of my body to feel something. And the only way that I could do that was through bad relationships. And where do you think that anger stemmed from? Do you know, or do you want to share? You know, it's funny because I don't actually, like, I'm not a very angry person. I think it's more, it was more sadness. I think it was more, um, I grew up way too fast, uh, a parentified child and uh, dealing with unavailable, uh, you know, my dad was dead when I was little and I hate to use that as like, oh, I had daddy but issues. That's, but, but not having a parent, one of your parents is always going to impact you, always. Yeah. So don't say that because it's always going to impact everybody. I mean, I think that, yeah, for, for sure. Um I mean, I was seven, so I was so, you know, so, so young, but I didn't really grow up with any men. I mean, it was my mom, my sister, myself, my grandma, my grandpa died when I was young. So, I mean, not too young, but in my twenties, but I really didn't have that, which is ironic that now I have two sons <laughs> and, and, you know, I'm really open about my journey. I, both my kids are, are IVF babies and I picked two boys. I mean, I've got three girls sitting in the freezer and I picked two boys. So I wanted to, I just wanted it. A, I was too scared to have a daughter because I. Oh, terrified. 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 I I prayed when I found out. No, I said, God, please do not give me a girl (laughs) because her and I, I don't think that would be good. And he was like, here's your boy. (laughs) Yeah. But now there's a part of me that I love being a mom so much and I love my boys so much that I want another one and I would consider having a girl. Now that I like have figured out how to kind of maneuver this, I mean, I can't have physically have any more kids, but I mean, it depends on where we see ourselves in a couple of years and if we would go through a surrogate and do all that stuff. So we're just kind of putting that on the back burner, but I'm curious. It's just me. Like wh- I like to deal with my shit. I mean, I like to go mm-hmm. to therapy. I like to, to, to dig into it. So I think I'm almost at a place, but cause it's not happening yet. And maybe I'm more open to it. I think if it was happening. I'd be freaked out, but I'm, I'm in a place where I'm willing to face that because then I can cross that off my list. You know, mm. I always thought that therapy is like a massage for your soul. Yeah. And it's like the I mean, one it's my time favorite it's about thing. you. I mean, it's been hard, you know, quarantine. I've been zoom zooming through my therapy and it's just not the same as being in the room with somebody. But it took me 10 years to be able to take my shoes off in there. Even when I was pregnant, I wouldn't take my shoes off. She kept saying, take your shoes off, put your feet up. And it was like, I just couldn't get that comfortable, even though I was spilling my guts. It's just a weird, like she would force me to try to make me take my shoes off in the room. And it was like, I just wouldn't fucking do it. It was she like always a tried, weird exercise. She always wanted me to come with no eyeliner on. She, she <laughs> was like, you're, you're covering like, like a mask, like take off your eyeliner. And I was like, I'm not taking off my eyeliner. <laughs> I think <laughs> I did a couple of times and I was like, are you happy? Like, <laughs> like a, like a <laughs> petulant teenager. I was like, are you happy? Right. I have no eyeliner. Do you see? I have no eyeliner on. So <laughs> oh, that funny. anger though, I want to get back to that mm-hmm. real quick, but like, do you think it just stems from like that childhood that you had to deal with at such I a think young it was- age? I think it was not speaking up as a kid and when I just really wanted to be a kid and I was working really young and supporting my family and sort of thrown into situations. And even still now I'm, I'm, you know, I always feel like I'm just sitting here getting tomatoes thrown at me sometimes. I mean, I don't feel like I try to be a good person. You know, if I have a falling out with someone, usually they know where I stand or what's happened. I don't like to leave many things unturned. 
Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's from, from years of maybe not speaking my truth. Mm. There was a, a, an anger and resentment that I couldn't, I didn't have a voice and that just continued into my dating life. Yeah, I could see that. I could definitely see how not having a voice at such a young age, which I feel like a lot of children probably feel that they didn't Mm -hmm. have a voice and control over your parents Mm -hmm. or situations. So who do you think that behavior from your past benefited it and who did it harm? Well, it definitely benefited the men that got whatever they wanted whenever they wanted it. Um, and it hurt me, but at the same time, I grew so much from it and I'm so glad I was able to see it for what it was and stop it before I, you know, I hit rock bottom, which I didn't thank God. I mean, I came close. Um, but I was never, I never was a huge drinker. I never was like a drug addict. I mean, I worked, I paid my bills. Like I was always too scared and too much of a control freak to really like, let it get out of control but I would definitely have my, my reckless moments. I think I had to be so good my whole life. And then those were moments that I could just allow myself to be bad. And it was right. done in private. God forbid anybody found out, you know? Yeah. Not that I really give a shit right now. Like, <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? It's like, I'm married. I've got kids. Like, I don't care what people think of me anymore, but that's because I'm, I'm older now. I'm not well, I always felt I always felt like the reason I wanted to stop, and I remember thinking, like, I don't want to go on my deathbed and not truly be connected to another soul. Like, so right. that for me was that motive. Like, am I going to be doing this the rest of my life till I'm old and gray and like in a nursing home trying to pick up the guy next to me? <laughs> you know, like I just couldn't see that as being a a blessed way to live, you know? I had this really funny story. Um, so for my, uh, this is my, my anniversary of this year, so my six-year anniversary, I always like to do like, like creative things. And I have my tattoo artist who I adore and I gave him this picture. He's done some um, charcoal drawings of my kids and I wanted him to do this painting of my husband and I. And I was thinking about photos and there's this photo that always sticks out in my head. And it was from the very first like, he took my husband took me to a hockey game. We went to a hockey game. And then I remember it was, I think, St. Patrick's Day. And the only reason I remember that hockey game in this photo of he and I looking at each other all cute is because that's the night that we had sex for the first time. And that mm-hmm. was like a, a that like sealed the deal for me. I was like, oh my God, I feel this is different than anyone else that I've been with. And I was talking to him recently about it when I said, I love this photo of you and I because this is the night that I lost my virginity. I mean, that we had sex for the first time. And I was like, whoa, that was a crazy slip right there. I was that, like, this really is like I like I lost my virginity to my husband. Like I'd never been intimate with anybody like that before in my life. And oh that's my God, how I, knew, I like, just got chill bumps. Like completely. <laughs> it's crazy, right? Wow. So my last question for you. What would you tell your past self or someone that's going through what you kind of described or what we've talked about? And how are you moving forward in the future, like keeping on track and all that? I still do work on myself um, with a stay in my therapy. Um, I allow the thoughts to come to my head. I don't ever act on them. The desire isn't there. Um, I've just sort of sh- shifted. I don't put myself in the situations anymore to be to, to have opportunity, you know, not like I would even if that there was anything there, but 
I don't know. Like you're, I mean, you're married too. It's like, I don't, I would never have gotten married unless I was completely in love with my husband and had a family. Like I have no, there's not a moment in my mind that I think like, I'm not, I'm, there's going to be anybody else. The thought grosses me out. Right. Like I just can't, I just can't imagine. So, you know, I, I think this too shall pass. And, and that's what I would tell my younger self and snap the F out of it and stop stop being destructive. You know, I mean, listen, I've known you for a really long time. Like I remember you being like, girl, I don't know what you're doing or like, Oh my God, what? I mean, the stories. And you know, that was the other thing is that I love a good story. So all of these, you know, all of these escapades were made, would make for great stories. And I would gather all my little hens and tell everybody and, and everybody would like, you know, giggle and live vicariously through. And then once I got in a real relationship, I didn't want anybody to know anything anymore, right? which is crazy. So I think that I would tell my younger self, this too shall pass, just work on yourself and you'll find yourself worth eventually, but you've got to be willing to do the work and you got to stop. You just have to want to get better. Yeah. You were saying you didn't want to be on your deathbed without someone to be there with you. Yeah. Perfectly said. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing. Um, If you want to be on the show, message me at secretlifepodcast at iCloud.com. And until next time, bye. Thanks again for listening to the show. Please subscribe, rate, share, or send me a note at secretlifepodcast.com. And if you'd like to check out my book, head over to secretlifenovel.com or Amazon to pick up a copy for yourself or someone you love. Thanks again. See you soon. Bye.